in particular, the person of the covenant. And um, the message from last Sunday night, uh, I would say we will have probably two or three sharings come out of that message. I went back through it. It really spoke into my heart. What the, and I want to really say to you what the Lord is saying to me. I want to make sure that is said in the body of Christ concerning the covenant of God that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our covenant with God. How we live unto God is in him. And just to catch our minds up for a moment from last week, from this morning, the Israelites lived unto God in a word. They didn't live willy-nilly unto God. They lived unto God according to the word that God had given through Moses. And they identified with the Lord in that word. Everything about them centered around a word. Now, as you move forward into the new covenant, everything about the church centers around the word who is Christ. If you go into the old covenant or the old testament of your Bible, you can find the words of the covenant. You can start in Exodus 19 and go through Exodus 24, and you can lay out the book of the covenant, and you can get on into the statues and ordinance and everything else that comes out, but you can find the word of the covenant in the Old Testament. But when you get into the new covenant, the New Testament scriptures, you can look at them, and you know there's a new covenant here, but the word of the new covenant doesn't just come out on the pages. You ever notice that? If you go from one to the other. So as we're looking in Isaiah 42, where we've been, Isaiah 42, you can read this whole first few verses if you want, but uh, we've read them for a while. God was speaking of a servant, and he said, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, and whom my soul delighted. I put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he has set judgment in the earth, and the isles shall wait for his law. Now, I believe last week I told you to mark that. The isles shall wait for his law, and, he co and it comes on down in verse 6, and says, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thy hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people. In verse 9, behold, the former things are come to pass, new things do I declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. 
Now, the new thing that was springing forth, the new song, is all wrapped up in the servant. The servant whom I am uphold, my elect, in whom my soul delighteth, in whom he put his spirit upon. Well, you can go through the New Testament scripture and you can see who this is. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He received the spirit without measure. Now he is given for the covenant. So when you even look in like Isaiah, I believe it's 61, helm of a contrite heart, this is speaking of Christ. This is who God was looking toward all the way from the beginning. And I will give thee for a covenant for the people, and the isles shall wait for his law. Now, now here's kind of how the Lord deals with me. What does he mean, the isles? Does that mean he has something special for island people? I don't think so. But God is saying something. So I, I want to say, what are the isles and what's the law that they were waiting on? Because they had the law of Moses, but there was evidently another law, according to the prophet here coming, and it comes out more than once. So the isles shall wait for thy law. Now the islands or the isles, let's look at the book of Psalms. And verse 72, or Psalms chapter 72, excuse me. Says, give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge thy people with righteousness and thy poor with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy and shall break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout the generations. He shall come down like rain upon the mown, gra mown grass as showers that water the earth. In his days shall the righteous flourish in abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from river and from the river and to the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him and his enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and all the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Saba shall offer gifts. Yea, all the kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him for he shall deliver the needy when he crieth. The poor also in him that hath no helper, he shall spare the poor and the needy and save the soul of the needy. Now here, give you an idea of the isles. Those, you could say, those that possibly did business with Israel, but it's really speaking of the whole earth. That the covenant of the Lord shall go out to the whole earth. So the isle shall wait for his law. Now, some people may say that's a future thing when it goes out to the earth, but I believe there are people today saved in every country in the whole earth right now. I don't think that's a future thing. I think it's an advancing thing.
A lot of people look at the kingdom of God as a future thing. The way I look at it is it advancing. That on the day of Pentecost, the kingdom of God came because we know the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came. So to me, the kingdom of God came. And since that time, it's been advancing throughout the whole earth, expanding, becoming greater, consuming the earth. So if I look at it in that way, the isle shall wait for thy law, then his law came when the spirit came. Okay, the law or his law came when he came, you could say. I believe you could say when he came, it came, but his law went into force when the spirit came. Now I want to emphasize his law. Don't know if you're catching that, but I'm trying to emphasize his law. I know you're catching that. I'm kidding a little bit, but I want you to get this tonight, his law, because people have been wrapped up in laws and not necessarily wrapped up in his law. Now, on the reverse hand, as we get into that, some people want to even do away with his law. There, there are ideas in the earth that will even do away with the words of the Lord Jesus. And those things will never work. They just won't work. So, so let's, let's advance on here in the scripture a little bit. So the isle shall wait for his law. And here we see, you, you know, this king and his judgments and his righteousness going out to the earth here in Psalm 72. And Isaiah 11 says, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit, spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding and the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lay down with the kid, and the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed. The young one shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles see, and his rest shall be glorious." And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, Shinor, Hamath, and the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together to disperse of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So here you have he, again the islands. 
the isles, speaking of those being gathered unto the Lord. So the isles shall wait for his law. Now, as we move on in this, in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, we're going to go verse 10, we're going to go chapter 10, verse 13, then we're going to work backwards. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all, all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed a report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not all heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. It went into the whole earth. Whosoever, what went into the whole earth? Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what went into the whole earth. Okay. Well, up until the time of Jesus, that was not in force. So Jesus came. That was in the prophets who have believed our report. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And all that's speaking of Christ. But it wasn't in force. Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, could you say that is the law? Just asking the aisle shall wait for his law. Okay. Now we're going to search that out, but I'm asking, could you say this is the law they were waiting on, that whosoever called on the name of the Lord shall be saved, that all things would be gathered up in Christ, and if I call on him, I will be saved. Not through the rituals of the old covenant, but through the receiving, through the hearing of faith, through the calling on the name of the Lord. Now go backwards in Romans 10, go backwards here to verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess, call, this is the same thing, call on the name of the Lord, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with mouth, the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. 
For there's no difference between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call on him. For whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, flip with me to Isaiah 2. Isaiah chapter 2. Verse 1. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. Almost can't read by this without making comments. What does that mean? Well, if I go to the woman at the well, the encounter with the woman at the well, Jesus says, neither in this mountain, Samaria, nor in Jerusalem, shall the Lord be worshipped. But God is a spirit, and they that worship him shall worship him in spirit and truth. And the apostle John was carried away unto a great mountain by the spirit of God. So here you have the mountain of the Lord's house being established. And you know, Hebrews 12 says, we've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. And it's exalted above all the hills of many people shall go and say, come ye and let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Now notice this, out of Zion comes the law, and the word of the Lord comes from where? Jerusalem. So here's a law coming from Zion, and here's a word of the Lord coming in Jerusalem. And we've been reading John 15, Jesus saying, he that abideth where? In what? My word. In his word. That's the word that was coming into Jerusalem. I am the true vine, you are the branches. That word came into Jerusalem. We're abiding in that word that came into Jerusalem, and that word carried with it a law. Okay? It carries with it a law. You could say, you can read Romans 8, which we're going to read in a moment. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have freed me from the law of sin and death. Now, what is that? What is the law that freed me from the law of sin and death? Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, that's what frees me from the law of sin and death, because by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he brings me into his work. Some people say, well, you don't have to do nothing anymore. That's what people say. 
It's not what Jesus says. So we have to discern between what people say and what Jesus says. And that's, and that's called abiding in the vine. See, see, sometimes we get challenged out here in the earth with abiding in the vine. I don't know if we, I don't know if we get this. But we come up against a challenge right in the midst of the earth of abiding in the vine because we are to stay in his word. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And so if I stay in what he declared, he declared, he that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said. We've read what the scriptures said, some of the scriptures. Who hath believed their report? He that believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And you know, Isaiah speaks of the desert becoming a what? Becoming rivers. The desert becoming a pool of water, a pool of life. And see, Jesus says, he that believes on me, as Isaiah, as the scriptures say, as Zechariah says, as Joel says, out of his belly shall flow what? rivers of living water glory to the lamb of god that of christ is going to flow out of you if you believe on him he says that and his word is not void his word has accomplished god's word accomplished everything that he sent it to do and it's bringing forth in you and I the abundance of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what his word is doing. It's bringing Christ in abundance in you and I by the spirit of the living God. So if I, so when I begin to track down the law of God that's in Christ, Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another. And of course, that is, in, that is included. But Jesus said in, in the opening, when he began to declare himself in the book of John, he said, he that believes. It's a constant occurrence in the book of John, constantly. And then it's the same thing in the epistles of John. He that believes in me. Okay. Let's look at John chapter three. It says verse 14. John 3 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Here's why people are condemned today. Because there's no justification outside of him. See, this is why. 
It's not that God doesn't want to justify anyone. Okay? It's not that God doesn't love everyone. There's people getting into that, well, God loves every man. Okay. This law's in place. This is put in place through the Lord Jesus himself. He spoke it forth, died, and rose from the dead, sealing this word in his own blood. This is the blood of the covenant that we're joined unto, that if we do not believe in him, see, we would be walking in condemnation because only in him is there a release of condemnation. Only in the knowing of him do I know the release of condemnation. The reason a lot of Christians walk in condemnation is they do not know the Lord. It's not that they're in that they that God has condemnation for them. They don't know the Lord. Jesus said, Abide in me. Abide in my words. Abide in the vine. So when I abide in the vine, I come to an understanding there's now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And walking after the flesh isn't just walking after sinful things. It's walking after the understanding of the carnal mind. It's, it's not walking after the spirit of God. So when I begin to walk, when I begin to eat his flesh and drink his blood, he says, then I will abide in him or I will dwell in him and he will dwell in me. And how I eat his flesh and drink his blood is by the Spirit of God. That's the only way I can eat his flesh. Is his flesh is what? Bread indeed, and his blood is life indeed, or drink indeed. So, so here we eat his flesh and we drink his blood by the Spirit of God in order to dwell in him, to abide in his words. And see, he that abides in him is not condemned, but he that is not abiding in him is condemned already because he does not have a covering for his sin. What do you mean he doesn't have a covering? He's not put on. Paul said, put you on. What did Paul say to put on? The Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh. So I've got to put him on. And I can't make a provision for the flesh. I can't give to those that are in the flesh that haven't received the Lord what I have without them receiving the Lord. Now, I can give them what I have. Don't get me wrong. But I can't attribute to them what God has attributed to us in Christ when they have not received the Lord. They must receive the Lord to abide in him. They must eat his flesh and drink his blood to dwell in him and he in us. I mean, to me, this is the law that came from Zion, that it wasn't a law of works, but it was the law of faith that whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because I'm not relying on the works of the law of Moses. I'm relying, I'm putting my faith, my trust, into the works of Jesus Christ. And he has become my salvation. And I am abiding in his word. 
hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. Now, that's, to me, the law that came from Zion, and that we would love one another in, in this law, who is the person of Christ himself, we would love one another. We would see one another as one. I, we would see that we're joined into one body. We would come to an understanding that we are the body of Christ and we've been joined to the Lord. And we would give that same love to another. See, so I think we have, uh, to a certain degree, with the word love sometimes, we've attributed love and kindness as the same thing. Okay? I don't know if you've ever thought of that. Jesus' love is he gives us himself. That's his love. His love is he died for us to bring us to himself. And he gives himself. So when we join one another to the Lord, when we are declaring the oneness of Christ into one another, that we would be joined to the Lord as one, I believe, honey, that is the love of God, that we would love one another as ourselves. The only place I'm going to love you as myself is in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, see anywhere else I'm going to come up short. I'm going to contribute that to doing natural things. And, and natural things will come out of that. They will manifest out of that. But I'm going to try to measure the love of God by natural things. And I believe we measure the love of God through the unity of the Spirit of God. That he, in His great love wherewith He loved us, we are now, what? The children of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. We are joined to the Lord. We are made one by the Spirit. So that's how the love of God to me works, is to unify us in one body that we would be one body unto the Lord and we would love one another the same. And how I love you the same is in Christ. Building you up in that of Christ. Amen? Well, glory to God. I didn't mean for that to come out, but here we are. <laughs> it came out nonetheless, so there we go. So to me, that, that's what I believe the love of God is. This is the law of life in Christ Jesus that we have, that we would love one another as he hath loved us, and how he loved us is he gave himself for us that we would be one with him. Jesus didn't give himself for us that we would be nilly-willy out here. You know, doing our own thing. That's what Christians sometimes think, think, think he kind of did. We're nilly-willy, we're going to do our own thing. No. He brought us to himself. And there's a word here in Zion where we're at. And it's the word of Christ where we're at, that we're feasting upon the word of Christ, that we would live unto God. See, we're, 
I don't want to say no different than Israel. We are different than the natural Israel, and this is a living word. But that word, that the fact that Israel lived unto God in a word was speaking of what God was going to do in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we were going to live unto God in the word. And the word we live unto God in is the Lord Jesus Christ. So if I don't eat his flesh and drink his blood, I don't know how to live unto God. Because I don't know the word of covenant. See, see, the word of covenant is I'm dead and he lives in me. That's the word of covenant. He's my life. That's the word of covenant. We are made one. That's the word of covenant. We have been joined to the Lord by one spirit. That's the word of covenant. See, that's what we meditate in day and night, just like the Israelites meditated in the old law. We meditate in this truth, in this revelation of Jesus Christ, day and night. It's always before us. We're always feasting upon it. We're living in it, and we're declaring it one to another and building each other up in the most holy faith. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death because I've been justified by Jesus Christ. I'm not justified by the works under the old law. I'm justified through the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And as I know him, I know freedom from condemnation. I know freedom from the old man. I begin to understand what it is to be free. And being free isn't to be, again, on my own. To be free is to live in the person of Jesus Christ or have the person of Jesus Christ live in me, abide in him. That's where freedom's at. See, see, if I see it separate from him, I'll find out real fast I'm not free. And that's what Jesus said. He that abideth in me beareth fruit. So how I'm going to bear fruit is I'm going to abide in him. There's no options here. He didn't give us an option. He didn't make another way. He designed it and he said, hey, I am the way. So he didn't, he didn't come out and say, well, when you get saved, you, you do this. No, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everything here is going to center around me. And that's what we're doing. We're just feasting on him. And we are the people of his kingdom. Now, a couple more scriptures here. Couple more places, and we'll be done. I've quoted Romans eight over and over, but Romans uh, chapter. Oh, where do I want to go here? I believe it's in chapter nine at the beginning, or chapter ten, verse four. I've been in chapter ten, but I want to read verse four. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to who? To everyone that believes. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Now Romans 3. Romans 3 says, For all have sinned, verse 23, 
For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. Where is boasting, then? It is excluded by what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it as one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Do then we make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. And if you go right into chapter 4, we begin to look at what? The faith of Abraham. What shall we say then, Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to be whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to righteous. See, this, this whole thing was speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, that whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what Abraham was speaking of. He believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. See, now we are living in the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. We're dwelling in the goodness of the Lord. Yes. Now, one last place, First John, and I'll be done tonight. First John says, Verse five or chapter five, verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God have the witness in himself. He that believeth not God and made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is, is in his Son. He that hath the Son have life, and he that hath not the Son of God have not life. See, see to me, this is the judgment. That the Gentiles were waiting for the judgment. They were waiting for he that hath the Son have life. He that hath not the Son have not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that he heareth us. Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. So here we, here we see it again. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son has not life. Now, that's, to me, the judgment that came into the world that Isaiah was speaking of, and maybe we'll pick that up and go deeper into it. But that's what judges you. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son has not life. 
just like we talked about the condemnation earlier. It's not that God has not presented a sacrifice for all mankind. He has. But those that have not received the Lord are abiding in condemnation. They have no covering for their sin. They have not been clothed upon with the Lord. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us be clothed with him. Let us put him on. Let us declare him one to another, for we are the sheep of his pasture. Glory to God. May God richly bless you tonight. I'm going to stop right here, and uh, I will start with uh, Brother Dale Grimm.